Who is here for my wife's session? Oh, excellent. She did a good job, didn't she? Yay. Good. All you men, you got to make sure your wife gets the applause. That means we'll have a good night tonight. Don't record yet. Are you recording? Not yet. <laughs> well, I never described what that meant. Anyways, I am um, so glad you guys are here. And uh, I just, for those that weren't here in the last session, I welcomed all you guys and said, you know, you've been here for a few days, but we didn't get a chance to speak to you or I didn't. So I just welcome you guys to Kansas City and the conference. And, and I hope that all that you were thinking the conference was going to be, because I don't know if it's your first time or you've been coming before. I just hope that it's been well worth your effort and your time and your money. And I hope that you're really being provoked. Uh, I'm sure that you are. If you're paying attention, I know the content of what the other leaders are giving you is just excellent. It's stirring. It's challenging. I know the worship times have been really good. And so we're just blessed to have the opportunity to speak to you guys. And, and so I just love that. And so I count it as a great privilege. And so um, I wasn't sure uh, about today. Uh, regarding who was going to come, I was thinking, you know, here's my title, Receiving the Gift of Tongues. I'm assuming, like, wow, everybody probably speaks in tongues. I might have, like, two rows of people. So I am joyfully surprised. This is good. This is good. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Who here has not spoken tongues? You just going, man? Oh, everyone. <laughs> You're in the right place, man. <laughs> we hope, it's my desire, and... I believe it's the Lord's desire, but it's my desire to see some of you, if not all of you, I mean, I desire everyone that hasn't spoken tongues to be released in it. I can't guarantee that, but hopefully um, I give some clarity regarding the subject. It is a controversial subject to many, especially if you're from conservative backgrounds, and it's just a difficult subject, so give me grace. Uh, I only have one session to teach on it, and there's many angles to approach the subject of tongues, and you know, I know in this gathering, there's many from different backgrounds, and you guys have different ideas about tongues and all those kinds of things. I'm going to try to touch a few of those ideas. You may have some questions that I don't get a chance to answer. Just remember, it's one session. Hopefully, I cover the, uh, the essentials. Hopefully, I cover it in a way where you feel released and have permission and confidence. The one thing I want to do in this session is give you confidence that you can speak in tongues. I want to remove any shame or guilt or condemnation to many of you that haven't. Because if you are in a, a charismatic community, those, that of you, those of you that raised your hands and you haven't spoken tongues, you probably felt left out or still feel left out and just go, I don't know, what's the deal, Lord? And some of you, that's painful. It could be a painful subject. I know this because it was a painful subject for me. I am the test case. I totally understand what it's like to be around people that speak in tongues, not spoke in tongues, and couldn't understand why I hadn't spoken tongues. And then there was a time when I did speak in tongues, and so I just know that little journey. And um, I have some, some of my own personal thoughts regarding that, and hopefully some of that helps you. And maybe, and let's believe for this, that the Lord releases some of you. And... Uh, Let's just pray. Let's ask him to come. Because if he don't come, it's just me speaking. But if he comes, there's a whole different situation. And we want his presence. So let's ask him. 
together. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We know you're here. Whether we perceive you or not, we know you're here by faith. You say in your word, you're everywhere. You already know what I'm going to ask you before I say it. That's, oh, Lord, that just is so invasive. <laughs> you know everything. But yet you want us to reach out to you. You want us to come before you and ask you specifically regarding different things in our lives. It's the way we grow in our love for you. I ask you specifically regarding this issue today and these people in this room today that you would release an anointing on your word and that you would release the gift of tongues in this room. Lord, I ask for everyone that raised their hand that said, I haven't spoken tongues or they might have and doubted it was the real thing. I ask you, God, to remove doubt. I ask you to remove fear. Right now, I take authority over any demonic presence. I break your power. I stand and resist you in the name of Jesus. Any lying spirit that is brought in this room, we take authority over you. You have no place here. In the name of Jesus, we plead his blood over this room. We bind every unclean spirit. In the name of Jesus. Father, we release your gifts today. We release your gifts in this room. Come, Holy Spirit, even now. Let them feel your presence, I ask you. I ask for a holy awareness of God beyond my speaking, beyond my words. Let them feel you, God. Feel you. Let them sense you. I ask for divine manifestations of your presence to rest on us. Even as I speak, Lord, come upon us. Release that beautiful gift that edifies your people. And remove the pain associated with, with it for those that have yet to speak in it. And the confusion. Release grace, Lord. You're a beautiful father. You love us, and you do not withhold any good thing from us. However, you also have a timing, and we pray that this would be the timing for many. We love you. With one voice, we say, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't it good to pray? I love praying. I, every time I speak, when I, when I open up in prayer... I always feel this little thing like, why stop? Forget the teaching. Let's just keep praying. I, I, I really mean that in portion. I love to teach. I love to talk about God. That's what a joy it is to get here and talk about the creator. Isn't that awesome? Yet it's weighty too because hopefully I say the right things because <laughs> he's watching and he's listening. He's paying attention to my heart and your heart. Isn't that kind of weird thinking about that? Like there's a real God watching, hovering over you. It's like an eyeball right there looking. <laughs> Stop looking! You know, it's like the four living creatures, the eyes all over them, and one day they go, will you stop looking at me already? You know, just that invasiveness of God watching. You know, when you dwell on that and you think about that and you go, wait, this is real, you go, ooh, like he watched all those things you did when you didn't want nobody to see, you know? He even heard those little thoughts that you swear you would never tell nobody. It's like, ah, how do you love me? <laughs> and yet he does.
but I think I got to get the tongues. That's what we're supposed to talk about. That's right. <laughs> Man, I jump into my passions. Forget it. We're in a different seminar. Okay. This uh, seminar is about receiving the gift of tongues. And um, I'm just going to jump right in. I didn't make a handout. I have several pages. I didn't reduce it for you guys. So if you want to take notes, feel free. Uh, I'll give you some points. I'll give you some uh, scriptures to reference if you'd like. <clears throat> now, if you have an opinion, and what I mean by that is if you have a strong opinion, which many of you do, okay, I have a strong opinion, and we only believe uh, along the lines regarding our history, what we've been taught, uh, things we've learned before. I just ask you to suspend them for a moment. Just be open, and um, if I say things that you might disagree, know this, I'm not here to debate with anybody. I'm not here to be controversial. I'm here to be helpful in the way I know, in the way I see it. And because I know this issue brings up a lot of different, different uh, uh, things on our hearts, okay? And so just know the spirit I'm coming from, all right? Um, I want to be teachable as much as you do. And uh, so there you have it. I want to start out tongues. It's a controversial doctrine. That's my first point. It's a controversial doctrine, okay? When you look at tongues, you inevitably have to deal with this phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because when you're thinking about tongues, it inevitably draws you to this, this um, interesting phrase. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And that causes a lot of consternation in many believers, many churches. Many people do not fellowship along these lines because one group believes this way, one group believes another. It's a great divide. And uh, there's such a polarization, it gets to the heart of one's experience with God has to do with the haves and the have-nots. You know, well, I speak in tongues, and you go, well, I don't. Well, one has and one doesn't have. And you have to come to some justification regarding why you don't speak in tongues. Because the person that does, they're free. They speak in it, and they, and they don't think twice about it after they move in that uh, gift. But those of you that haven't moved in that gift, you're questioning God regarding why don't I? And why are you questioning it? Because people ask you, have you been baptized in the Spirit? And depending on your cultures or those that you associate with, that could be more stronger or, or less. For instance, if you're in a strong Pentecostal culture, the question is, have you been baptized with the Spirit? And they're thinking, have you spoken tongues? And if you say no, then they're thinking, well, you haven't been baptized. And some may even tell you that. And that brings up another question. If I'm not baptized with the Spirit, well, what kind of Holy Spirit do I have? What kind of Spirit is living in me? And that could be a lot of pain. Has anybody run across those kinds of ideas? Any of those questions? Just raise your hand. Has anybody come and, and, and asked you that and you didn't know how to respond and you felt that, that tweak on your heart and you felt like, I don't know. Why haven't I? And, and it becomes painful between you and God at the end of the day. It's not really you and people. It's not really you and doctrine. It's really between you and God at the end because it's, it has to do with experience. It has to do with the manifestation of a gift that you haven't been given and people are telling you you're supposed to. And you're going, I'm not trying to hinder it. I'm not trying to stop it. Here I am, Lord. How many of you have gone to the altar call and said, here, here I am, and you're and you're in that holy waiting. <laughs> I'm here. I believe. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Man, did you speak in tongues yet? And you got to go, no. <laughs> and it, once again, it brings up that pain. And you have to 
come to some kind of theological conclusion to justify why you haven't, you know? And then even some people will try to get you to speak in tongues by having them repeat after you. How many of you had that, you know? The, the leader comes up and says, repeat after me, shakalaka-laka, you know? And you're, and you're like, shakalaka-laka. There it is, you're baptized. And you're going, this is nuts. I'm not baptized with nothing. Am I right? You know, something like that, you know, or somebody was doing it the other day. They, they whipped out bubble gum and it said hubba bubba. And they were like, just go hubba bubba bubba. I was like, I am not doing that. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't endorse it. That's just not where I'm at. You know, that's for the other guy. That's not for me. Because surely that wouldn't have worked when I was on that side of the fence. And I was on that side of a fence for a long time. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my testimony regarding it. That might be helpful on the front end. I, um, I'm one of those guys that needs to know. You know, I, I, I like to analyze things. I need to know so I can give my heart to it. It's so hard for me as a believer to hear new things or different things that I'm not used to and embrace it wholeheartedly. I'm slow. I, I got to like peek at it and think about it and find it in the word. And if many of you are like me in that way, you're, you're slow in some of these things because if it's not happening to you regarding tongues, let's say, because it didn't happen to me on the front end. I didn't speak in tongues, and I was asked, you know, I remember I was at this conference one time, and this well-respected leader said, boy, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I was like, in my heart, I was like, I don't know. And I was like, sure I have. And my heart was like, I don't know, have I? Because I, I wasn't sure. I was just like, I think I've been. And I hated that little mystery of not knowing or not being absolutely sure, that assurance we all need. And I tell you, you need assurance in every area of doctrine. It's hard to give yourself to something you don't have assurance in. It's like prayer and the night and day prayer and all these things. Tongues is just along the same lines, especially if you're around people that say you're supposed to speak in this. And they might, if you're from a strong, it depends on your background. It could be, it could be a difficult going for you if you're in some of those backgrounds where it's you know, well, then you don't have the Holy Spirit, and you're questioning your whole walk with Jesus. It could become depressing, and, and demons can come to you and harass you and accuse you. And that's what we don't want. We don't want demonic spirits to lie to us and for us to believe the lie and cause us to go into discouragement and reject other people in the body. That's really where it goes. And so I remember... Um, hungering for God. I mean, I had such an appetite for the Lord. Hopefully it hasn't left me yet. I desired him. There was love awakening in my heart. I, I was even having dreams and some prophetic uh, things happening to me, but I never spoke in tongues. And I remember being asked that on several occasions and, and then just reading the word and different things like that. And I, I was really in a quandary with tongues. And a good friend of mine, an older brother that was just, um, just a great influence in my life. He was just one of those people that, that were so good for me and knew how to talk to me, knew how to bring me into areas where I wasn't sure or I was just resistant to, you know, and we all need those people in our lives. Just the brother that comes along and hears your heart and, and, then, and then allows you to see things maybe differently by the way they, they comfort you and love you. And this brother said to me, he said, you know what, you, you really have the gift, you just need to speak in it. But at that time, that got me more mad, because <laughs> I was like, what in the world does that mean? I got the gift, but, you know, I don't know it. You know, I got something I don't know. And I had such a hard time with that, because I thought 
that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon me, take me over, and speak out of my mouth while I stood there. That was my view. How many feel that or have felt that? Raise your hand. You all know. You all think that. <laughs> right? Come on! <laughs> Nothing, right? Come on. That's what we all think, you know? And then we read this story that it happens that way to the guy in China or someplace in some, you know, faraway land, and it... The Holy Spirit hit him, and you read this account, or you hear some testimony from some charismatic tape, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that wasn't my experience. Then you doubt your experience, or you just question the whole thing. And so because of what I have read, you know, different revival accounts, all those kinds of things, I'm thinking i got to be hit with this blast from heaven, and that's the only way it's going to happen to me. And that was a, a stronghold I didn't know at the time, not an evil stronghold, but a personal one, just in my own mind, my own thinking that withheld me from, from venturing out on my own because I thought it had to just take me over, do it on its own, and I was on autopilot. And many of you, I want to free you right now from that. If you think that the Holy Spirit is going to just do that to you, 9.9 out of 10 times, it doesn't happen like that. There are those occasions where the Holy Spirit does fall in a supernatural, experiential way, where there's a testimony. You know, the guy was against it, and bam, and he just started, and he didn't know what was happening to him. I tell you, that's more rare than common. What's common is that people just, and I'll talk about it a little bit more later, they just start exercising it mostly in doubt. Do you, do you know that? Almost everybody that I've ever talked to about tongues, and I talked to them about the, the initial time they started speaking in tongues, they all questioned, was that it? <laughs> was that really it? Because it sounds so foolish, this, you know, garble coming out of my mouth, and you don't feel any real anointing on you. You're just kind of raw you, and you're just speaking out this funny childish language, it sounds to your mind, and your mind rejects it, mostly. And I know I'm speaking to many of you because you all have brains, <laughs> and you all think about these things. And if the Holy Spirit hasn't taken you over, many of you maybe don't doubt now, but have in the past. And I just want to free you. That is normal. That is totally normal. Do not feel condemned if you've doubted. It's just part of the process of learning to experience the Holy Spirit in different ways. We have a lot of fears. We have a lot of doubts. We have a, a, a lot of suppositions, presuppositions regarding what it ought to be like. Sort of like revival. We think what it, what it should look like, and then when it comes in a form we weren't expecting, typically we reject it. And it's just like that with prophecy and tongues, different things. It's, it's, it's the same, in my opinion, in many ways. I'm, I may be oversimplifying it, but generally what I'm saying to you is true. And so this brother said, you know what? I think you just got to operate in it. And I had to wrestle through that because of my uh, position thinking it had to take me over. Now, I don't think it was a bad thing to think that. I mean, I was yearning for the Holy Spirit to do it because I have such a desire for authenticity. How many of you? You want to be authentic, right? Of course you do. Now, the ones that didn't raise their hand, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> we all should be like two hands. Authentic. We want to be authentic. And because there's such charismatic fluff out there, we go, you know what? I don't want any of that. But typically, we reject the good with, because we see the bad. We want everything that God wants to give his people. That's what you want. And so... I struggled with that. I 
for a long time struggled with that because I really wanted to speak in tongues. I believed it was available, and I wasn't operating it. And it was a pain for me at the heart level. I wouldn't even talk about it much with, with friends because it was just so... It was an issue that was muddy water for me, and I just didn't want to mix it up with people and hear their conclusions. Because I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's not happening, and I don't have an answer, and it hurts, okay? I don't want to talk about it. And so I wouldn't much. And then one day, I was in a worship service, and it was just beautiful. I was really free on the inside, and I was just raising my hands to the Lord, and I had this impression. I'm going to try to describe the way I did it. I had an impression to like sneak out a tongue. <laughs> like, is anybody watching? That's the way it felt. And I was just like, kind of like, you know, hiding between my arms. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, you know, when you, you, you hide, you know, a thousand people looking at you, but you think you're hiding. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there just in this worship service, hiding between my two arms raised, and I just feel like, go for it. And I, I don't exactly know how that happened, but I just went for it. <laughs> And I thought I was doing it. But in essence, I was doing it. I just had a misunderstanding. My spirit, Eddie B., my spirit was speaking to God. And I just was like, is that it? I went, you know, whatever I did. <laughs> I'm not going to do it here. It'll sound kind of funny. <laughs> you know, shakalaka, I did something like that. <laughs> I did not do that. I did not do that. I, I swear. <laughs> I added it in, you know, to get an extra sentence in there or two. Because <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. Like, do you, like, is it like sentence structure? I had no clue, man, you know, like, does one word mean a paragraph? Or is it, you know, you know all the funny things you think, right? Come on, help me out, guys. We all think those things. And so I started um, doing it, and the experience didn't happen to me. It was a step of my personal faith. But I had a little nudge. That nudge was just, go for it. And I know later that that was the Holy Spirit prompting me to step forward and, and take a risk of being foolish. Foolish to me, not to anybody else, just taking a step. Because I didn't want to be foolish before God. And a lot of that is pride. It's just uh, false humility wrapped up in a different way. But we're all on a journey. We don't know these things until we get to that ledge, and the Lord says, now jump. And that ledge was jump into this funny language that you're doubting. And I, and I went out, and I spoke in this language, and I was like, was that it? And then I did it again. I liked it. I didn't like it. And uh, I went through that whole thing. And then from that day, that moment forward, I never stopped doing it. And what I mean by that is I willfully did it whenever I wanted to. And that was kind of weird to me because I still was wrestling through, I'll only do it when the Holy Spirit kind of blasts me with a wave. And if you're thinking that, I want to help you broaden your perspective and, and allow yourself this step of faith more, moreover or more so than just this thing happening to you. I don't want to remove that it can't happen to you. I want to broaden your scope, Okay. And so I started doing that, and my confidence began to grow. And I started believing that this was really genuine, and I wrestled through it at different times. And then I, then I uh, soon discovered that many people have wrestled through the same exact thing. You know, you think you're the only one. You think you're the only one that's, you know, doofus Joe that doesn't get it. And I tell you, everybody else goes through the same thing you do. We're all cut from the same piece of cloth. 
And, 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 the, and we think that way because very few of us really are open with each other. You know that? And so when we're struggling with an issue, we are free, we're, we're fearful of sharing it because we don't want to be judged and all those kinds of things. And the Lord wants to help us be free in who we are, where we're at. He knows how we're wired. He knows how to take us along the journey. And so that journey for me was a step of faith rather than some revival account that blasted me, happened to me. Now, I've had encounters with the Lord before that, but they never, for, they never expressed themselves in tongues. So I was like, I know I'm filled with the Spirit. And so that's how my theology began to change, and I started looking at it a little bit different. Okay, this idea of baptism with the Spirit. I may speak a little quickly, only because of time, and I want to get in a few ideas for you. We're not going to cover half the verses I'd like to, but we're just going to do what we can and, and move on for there, from there. In uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, you can write it down or just listen as I quote it. It's, you know, whatever you want to do, open your word, but we're going to move on from that. It's where John the Baptist describes the Messiah who's coming, and he's pointing out the fault of the Pharisees and how God's going to, uh, the, the, this Messiah is going to judge him. But he says this interesting phrase in verse 11. He says this about the Messiah, or Jesus who's to come. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you do a word search or a phrase search, if you have a Bible program, I encourage you, look for all these phrases. Look for filled with the Spirit. Look for baptized with the Spirit, baptism with the Spirit. These are ways you learn to gather all the verses regarding a particular doctrine or idea. Then you get to read them in their context. Because how I want to help you is, is not only share my thoughts and have a time for prayer, but to encourage you, go in the Word, assemble the verses, look at them with fresh eyes as much as you can. And that's difficult because you have learned uh, behavior. You already have some ideas. But assemble the verses. Look at them. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me. How does this relate to my life? Because what we're after is a New Testament expression, right? We want to we wanna operate the way the early Christians did and even go further than that. And you know we can go further, right? Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that? Because if we believe the apex was 2,000 years ago, we're on a long slide down. And many, there are many theologians that believe that. The greatest revival was Acts chapter 2. We believe that was the beginning. That was the beginning, which means there's more to encounter in God, meaning the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us encounters with Jesus and with the Father. He is the element of power, the personhood of power that reveals God to us. He's the one that gives the gifts. I mean, it's, you know, there's a mystery in the Trinity and how they work. I'm not going to give it so clearly and precisely, but the Holy Spirit was for our benefit, like Jesus said. He says, it's good for me to go because I'm going to send the comforter, and he is going to reveal my life to you, basically is what he does. So John the Baptist said, Messiah is going to come, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, we see this referenced again. I'm just going to quote this phrase, and not uh, I'm going to give much commentary on it, but it says this in verse 5, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And we know that from Matthew and in the Gospels, you can look in all the Gospel accounts regarding John's message about Jesus and this uh, phrase called baptism with the Holy Spirit. It was all pointing to Pentecost. 50 days, that's what Pentecost means, 50 days after Passover. Uh, it was a timing on the Jewish calendar, one of the, holi uh, the high holy days, 
where the descent of the Holy Spirit was to come to earth in a manifest way. It was the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. And in Joel chapter 2, if you read it, because Paul, uh, rather Peter, references Joel chapter 22, uh, Joel 2, (laughs) verse 28, he references what happens in the book of Acts chapter 2, saying this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so you want to read the prophecy of Joel in chapter 2, 28 and 29. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have dreams and visions. But it doesn't say anything about tongues. It's kind of interesting. Uh, It causes a quandary for those analytical minds that are looking for exacting words. And, well, how could this be that? It didn't even mention tongues. I just want to tip you off. It has more to do with people encountering the power of God Um, rather than just confining it to um, uh, dreams and visions, because we know there was a release of tongues, tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. You guys tracking with me? Okay. The baptism of the Spirit, John spoke about in Matthew 3, that the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 5, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and power, happened in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And you guys are familiar with it. It's the most famous verse that's preached on and talked about. It's the descent of the Holy Spirit where it was a uh, visible demonstration and that was surely an encounter that happened to them. Okay? The Holy Spirit descended in power. There was a visible manifestation where they described it as tongues of fire resting on the 120 in the room. And there's a lot to say about that. I don't want to go there and, and go through all of that. I just want to highlight that is where Joel 22 was fulfilled, but really not fully fulfilled. It was the beginning where God would encounter his people again. He was restoring humankind back to his heart through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, redeeming, the, uh, the, uh, redeeming men from the fall and, and restoring the relationship that he had with Adam and Eve, meaning the, uh, the realm of encountering him, which will be fully realized, I know I'm saying a lot, when he comes, when we will see him face to face. And so the Holy Spirit comes, and we see a breakout of power and tongues. Interesting. And yet by, uh, by the, by the uh, Holy Spirit, Peter gives us a holy interpretation of Joel chapter 2, 28. This is that. This is the beginning of the outpouring of God. And those that believe in Jesus can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, you may hear different ideas regarding the baptism of the Spirit, like baptism with baptism in, baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm using that all synonymously, and I encourage you not to get hung up with with, in, or of. Some of the theological types out there, you may get hung up on some of that. To me, it's all really synonymous in the sense that there's an empowerment that happens by the Spirit. Um, and the word baptism, think in terms of this way. Think, it of, think of it in terms of this way. It's an immersion. It's a it's an immersion. It's like jumping into a pool. You're under the water. You're immersed with the water. Well, the baptism speaks of an immersion. Now, I don't particularly believe that the baptism has its completion because somebody just speaks in tongues. I believe it's far greater than that. I believe you can use it. I think you can argue the point for it. I don't want to get hung up on the particulars. 
Somebody wants to say, hey, you know, I spoke in tongues. I've been baptized with the Spirit. I say, amen, that's good. However, I think it's far greater than some one-time experience with tongues. It has to do with an immersion in God, which means an immersion in the life and the power of God. I think God is giving us a broadening view of what it means to be baptized. And you can read it through some of the examples of some of uh, church history saints, people like John G. Lake that talk about elements of power that came to their ministry and then talking about greater immersions where it opens your eyes to different and more uh, powerful realms of the Holy Spirit. Some people like to use the word filled or filling with the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, you pick one. It, it really doesn't matter, I mean, to, 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 to split hairs on those issues. If you want to, go ahead. But what we want is the substance. That's what we're really after. We want to be empowered by God. <clears throat> okay? Now, because of time, I'm not going to go through the, the, the different camps out there. I will mention it briefly. I got two camps. Now, I'm giving you a general overview. There are distinctions, obviously. You have an evangelical world. You have conservatives and you have Pentecostal charismatics. And the great divide has to do with the issue of the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There may be a little bit more in there, but typically it has to do with the gifts. This all goes back to uh, the turn of the century, 1900, typically 04 and 06, especially in Azusa Street, where a revival broke out in our country, for those of you that are not aware of this, and the, the primary release of power was in the form of tongues. People were getting, quote-unquote, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they were experiencing this thing that was coming on them, and they were speaking out in other languages. Some of them were speaking out in, in other earthly languages, literally, like missionary languages for other lands. It's, it's a phenomenal study if you do the research. And others were experiencing just this other kind of language. And that brought a great divide to the church. What does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? Is it when the power comes upon you, or is it um, at the point of salvation? Now, if you have a conservative background, come maybe from a Reformed faith or just different areas, you maybe have Calvinist theology. Typically, they believe the baptism of the Spirit happens at the point of salvation. When you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. The Pentecostal Charismatics typically believe, and they have more of an Arminian view. I don't want to be late, uh, uh, go through that. They have a, di a little different view of God. And they tend to say, no, you get regenerated by the Spirit. You get saved or born again. But then there's a second work of grace, that there's an empowering that's available to you. So really, I want to clear this up for some of you. The two views are there's a one stage and there's a two stage meaning uh, uh, regarding baptism of the Spirit. One stage says, when you get saved, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit by, by Him saving you and ushering you into the family of God. One stage, there's no more empowering works, although many would say that there are different fillings of the Spirit, but uh, I don't want to get into that. <clears throat> the other camp, Pentecostal, charismatic groups, and there's a little distinction between those, they typically believe in a two-stage event. You get saved, regenerated, the Holy Spirit works salvation in you. Then subsequent or after you get saved, you get empowered. Now that can happen all in one moment, in two seconds. Or it can happen five years later. The guy's saved and then he has an experience down the road where he gets empowered and speaks in tongues for the first time. 
And when the revival came in the early part of the 20th century, this was breaking out. And then what happened was the revival hit the Catholic Church. It hit the mainline denominations, Methodism, Lutherans, all of the groups, non-denominational churches. And for the first time, these quote-unquote conservative and mainline believers were experiencing this baptism or this filling, if you will, where they were speaking in tongues. It wasn't now just the Pentecostals. Okay, it was now this conservative gang. And from that point forward, it's always been a great divide between the haves and the have nots. And it's just a little church history, but I think it's really helpful to know where the dividing line comes from and and how do you assess and discern the distinctions? Because it'll be helpful for you. You want to know why you do it or why you don't do it. Okay. I came from the background where it was a one stage. I didn't know what I really believed, but that was the church affiliation I was involved with. I had more of a Calvinist belief. I have come to believe that it really is a a two-stage experience where you get saved and that there's an empowerment. I've come to believe that. It is two stages, whether it happens in two seconds or it happens in two years. I just think that the, the, the evidence in Scripture points to that. But, you know, I don't mind if somebody believes the other. It doesn't really matter, actually. What actually matters is that we believe that the Holy Spirit can fill you and you could move in the different graces of God. That's what really matters. And that there's permission and equality with all believers. That's what really matters. There is no substandard Christian. There is no special Christian in the eyes of God, not one. We are all on an, equ- on an equal playing field, regardless of function and operational gifts. You need to know that. You are as important as your greatest hero before the throne room. We may think you're not. People may think you're not. But to God, he loves us equally. That's why he's like an equal opportunity employer, man. He is awesome. No, really. And when we live for him, it frees us. It opens us up. And, that, and, and that's very helpful. Okay. Now, I want to I take you through a couple experiences in the Scripture, and then we're going to pray for it, because my time is, I don't have that much time, but I'm just going to show you different uh, accounts in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit has fallen, and you guys make your own conclusions. Okay. We went over Acts chapter 2 very briefly. Okay, Acts chapter 8. You could turn there if you want to or just listen along. We're not going to stay there long. Acts chapter 8 is uh, the experience where Philip goes to the Samaritan village. Okay, we call it the Samaritan revival. For those of you that love revival and where can you find it in the Bible, a revival breaks out in Samaria. Um, miracles and healings uh, through Philip, really awesome. Okay, so um, in verse 14 through 17 is where I want to draw your attention to. This is after they have been baptized. They got saved. They believe in Jesus. Philip has them baptized in water. Okay? And now what happens in verse 14, it says this. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. So the apostles come now to Samaria. They heard, wow, all these people get saved. Okay? So they're going down to endorse it and encourage them. Uh, They came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Philip tells them about Jesus. They get baptized in water, and now the apostles want to come down there and pray, lay hands on them for a filling. Okay? And he says this, for verse 16, a key verse, for he, the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen on any of them. Isn't that interesting? Now, I know there's 
There's belief that, well, it's the first time that it's going outside of Jerusalem and God wants to endorse it by the apostolic witness. I think that's a good argument. But I think the scripture speaks pretty plainly there, too, if you want to read it for what it says and hold on to a two-stage view there. You can pick it. It's up to you. Okay? The Holy Spirit has not fallen. They're saved. And now yet there's another work of the Holy Spirit that they're going to pray for them to receive. That's what I want to alert you to. Okay? For he had not fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means they were saved, right? They got baptized because they expressed faith in him. They said, yeah, I believe. He's the Messiah. All those that confess, right, believe they shall be saved. That's what they did. Okay? Uh, then it says this, then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And this account, it doesn't describe what happened. I just wanted to point out that there was a, a, a two-stage activity of God's Spirit. Let's go down to Acts chapter 10, next occurrence. Acts chapter 10, it's the salvation of Cornelius' household. This is where Cornelius has a supernatural encounter with an angel. Peter has a trance. Peter's uh, called to uh, go down to Cornelius' house, and this is uh, where we're picking up the story in, in Acts uh, 10, verse 48, uh, 44 to 48, only a few verses we're going to read. Peter goes there because the Holy Spirit told him to, okay? He's about to release salvation to the, Gentile believer, uh, the Gentiles who are going to be believers in a moment. So he's speaking to them, verse 14, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers, meaning Jews, Jewish believers, who came with Peter were what? They were amazed. Whoa, what is happening here? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles. Now, once again, conservative background, they will say, well, this is a two-stage event because it's the first time that the Holy Spirit is touching the uh, the Gentile peoples. And I say, that's, that's a plausible argument. That's good. But once again, it's two-stage in the Bible. Okay? And just alert you to that and draw your own conclusions. So it says, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Verse 46, this is what happened. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse water baptism um, because they have received the Holy Spirit. How? What does it say? Just like we did. They recognized the expression when the Holy Spirit fell on them as what happened to them in Acts chapter 2. They went, this is the same thing that happened to us. This is amazing. So the same release of God happened to Cornelius and his household, Gentile people, who now become uh, the first converts, at least in the book of Acts, uh, out of the Gentile race. Okay? <clears throat> We can see in Acts chapter 11, I'm not going to go there, where Peter brings this testimony to the leaders in Jerusalem because they had a problem with them being uh, around Gentiles. And we see in the Bible, one, the Gentiles brought into salvation, but two, a double work of the Holy Spirit, okay? And the evidence was tongues here, okay? Let's move on to the next one, Acts chapter 19. This is the Ephesian uh, believers or the disciples at Ephesus that Paul runs into. We're in Acts 19, verse 1 through 6. It happened that while uh, uh, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples, okay? He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I want to pause right there. 
you realize Paul's um, interest was, okay, you're a believer. Did you receive the Spirit? The important thing is that we have the Holy Spirit. That's what's important. Because Romans tells us if we do not have the Holy Spirit, we're none of his. The evidence of being a Christian is having the Holy Spirit within you. That what, that's what makes a genuine believer. This is why Paul is um, asking, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, and they go, we didn't even hear such a thing. And so what does Paul do? Paul takes them, he baptizes them, because they've been baptized only into the gospel of uh, uh, the message of John the Baptist. So what he does is in verse um, uh, 6, he says, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and what happened? They began to speak in tongues and prophesying. We see another thing happening here. We see, we see them uh, believing in God, but not fully. I mean, uh, the full message of Jesus. He explains the gospel more clearly, baptizes them, lays hands on them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they speak in tongues, and they prophesy. Okay, there are some charismatic believers that said, hey, you don't have to only speak in tongues in order to say you've been baptized with the Spirit. It may be tongues. It may be prophecy. It could be other forms of expression. I tend to believe that. I tend to believe in a broader vision of, uh, of this baptism or filling of the Spirit where it's not necessarily tongues. It can be a prophetic utterance. It's just a wave of the Holy Spirit that hits you and praise gives forth, uh, goes forth to the Lord. And so I think it's more than just tongues. But what we want to do is assemble the... Uh, the verses, read it in context and think about our practice. Is any of this happening to us in our life? Okay. And then I want to move on from there quickly. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, rather, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to talk to you. Look at my time here. We're, we're running short, but that's okay. Because this is um, where we get the most instruction regarding the issue of tongues. I want to just talk a little bit more, and I want to pray for you guys. We want to believe that many of you will speak in, in this beautiful language for the first time. Now, Paul, in chapter 12, describes these gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? And really what he's doing, he's describing gifts that are for the operation, uh, that were for the benefit of the whole church. They were to benefit the body, apostles, prophets, teachers, various kinds of tongues, interpretation, miracles, healings. It's this plurality of gifts that were meant to be the evidence of Jesus operating in the body, okay, his power dimension. We see in chapter 13, Paul speaks about the operation of love in the heart while you move in the gifts. Chapter 14, Paul talks about the use of these types of gifts or some of these gifts when you come together in a gathering. Now, I want to promote to some of you maybe a new idea or maybe to encourage what you may already believe. I believe there is this, a distinction, and many of us believe this. There is a distinction between the gift of tongues that's used in a corporate setting and the gift of tongues that's used devotionally, because this is where the great divide happens. The divide is over. Well, Paul, doesn't he say it? In chapter 12, verse 30, do all speak in tongues? That's what Paul says. Do all speak in tongues? And the implication is no, not all speak in tongues. Not all are prophets. Not all apostles. And many people have taken that verse and say, see, not all speak in tongues, so therefore I don't speak in tongues and I'm part of that company that, that is, has not been given that gift. 
But then when you hear from other believers, they say, hey, man, have you spoken tongues yet? You're like, I thought I, thought I was cleared. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was a pastor fail, man. I thought I, I was cleared on this issue. And I'm, I want to I wanna just encourage you to look at it a little different. In chapter 14, and this might make sense, sense to you, the devotional use of tongues, which I believe is available to all. I'll just, exp- I'll just tell you that. I believe, I believe the gift of tongues is for everybody to use. I think the operation of tongues in a meeting where it needs interpretation, not everybody operates in. But I believe the, use of, the gift of tongues is available to every believer for a few reasons. And I want to give you those reasons, and then we gotta, we got to move into our, our little prayer time. Okay. Here we go. Chapter 14, 2 through 5. I'm going to read it. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. Okay, I want to alert you to that. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. One who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. Edifies himself. Okay? I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, I left out a few of those verses because I wanted to only highlight, because he's talking about tongues and prophecy. I want to list you five things that tongues gives a believer, what, it, what its usage is devotionally. One, tongues is a form of prayer to God, okay? It says, we do not speak to men, but we speak to God. It's a form of prayer, Your tongue language is a form of prayer to God before it's ever meant to be a message for the church. The reason tongues needs to be interpreted is because the church doesn't get blessed. If you stand up right now and one of you speaks out in tongues, the reason Paul goes, we need to have an interpretation is so that we can be blessed by what God is saying. It's not to police it because tongues is somehow this illegal gift and we got to make sure we wrap it up real tight. It's so that we, we are blessed by the message. And that's why if there's no interpreter, we don't want people standing up, you know, a, a solo person rising up, speaking out in tongues, and we go, okay, that was beautiful, but it, 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 it doesn't bless me because there's no, um, I, I, it's not clear to me what's being said and what's being spoken, Okay. That's a different application than to just have a form of prayer to God. Paul says it. Tongues are a form of prayer. Two, tongues are spoken mysteries. They're mysterious. Your spirit is communing with the Lord, and you're speaking things you don't even know. It's it's just the utterance of your heart going before him. It's the language of the spirit that that, um, uh, 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 earthen languages cannot communicate properly. It's mysterious, okay? There's a lot to say about it, but because of time, I'm, I'm trying to move on here. It's, uh, uh, it's beautiful, the subject of mystery. Three, tongues edify the person speaking in it. So if tongues is a form of prayer, and tongues is a form of personal blessing to the person speaking in it before it's ever a message to anybody, wouldn't you think that God would want all you to speak in tongues? Or would you think that God wants, out of 10 people, five to speak in tongues to be blessed and five not to speak in tongues and not receive personal blessing in it? Now, I just want you to think about that. Think about it for those of you that have problems with these issues. Think about that. Because Paul goes on to say, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Paul in that chapter uh, winds up saying, I speak more than all of you in tongues. What a bold statement. 
Paul says, I speak more than, uh, in tongues more than all of you. I wish that you would all speak in tongues. Because he knew there was difficulty with the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? He's addressing pastoral issues that are happening in the Corinthian church. So one, uh, and then four, tongues are a blessing to God. We see that in chapter, uh, rather, we see that in verses 14 and 16. He says this, I, uh, I will, well, Paul is saying when you're speaking in tongues, you, you're giving blessing in the spirit. We want to give blessing in the spirit. Oh, there's so much to say on this. I wish we had another hour. This is wonderful. We want to go through these verses. We want to enjoy the benefit of what God is trying to communicate to us. And then we want to operate with a free heart. We want, to, we want to be blessed on the inside. And so my approach is that tongues are available to all, although not all will bring forth a message in tongues speaking up in a congregation. And I encourage you to think about that and read chapter 12 and read chapter 14. Put these ideas together because it's a, it's a form of blessing to you. It's a form of blessing to God. It's a, it's a form of prayer. It's mystery. Not only that, when you speak in tongues, the Lord releases divine bits of information to you. That's why when we, you see people speaking in tongues devotionally to the Lord, the Lord releases fragments of information, little insights, little, little thoughts, speaking in tongues. And there's a lot to say about that. I don't have time to go into. I'll, I'll give you an example. Verse chapter 14 and 16, he says this, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I don't get what I'm saying. Okay, what is the outcome? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with my mind. I will pray with my earthen language, but I also will pray with my spirit and tongues. I will do both. This is what Paul is saying. Okay, he says, I will sing with the spirit. And I also will sing with my mind. So Paul was talking about singing in his prayer language. It's a form of blessing. Okay, and so Paul talks about this reality of singing and praying in tongues and praying with his understanding. And there's uh, two little modes of that. And we want to learn these distinctives so we can, we can operate in a free way and not get hung up on the gift that's used in public meetings that needs an interpretation. That's why Paul goes on to say, if you don't have an interpretation, speak to God yourself. He's not saying don't speak in tongues. He's saying speak in tongues on, in private. And there's a private usage of your language to the Lord. Now, I know I haven't been able to cover everything. Of course I haven't. It's a short amount of time. And I know there's some gaps in some of this because I'm running fast and there's other verses I'd love to hit. But I, what I really want to do is I think I presented some, uh, some fair ideas for you guys to consider. And um, well, I want to ask the Lord to come and release it upon those that say, hey, I haven't spoken it. And so let's just stand. What's the fifth point somebody asked me? Okay, somebody's taking notes. I love it. Okay, one, tongues are a form of prayer to God. Two, tongues are spoken mysteries. Three, tongues edify the believer. Four, tongues are a blessing to God. And five, tongues are available to all. I, I base that upon the, the phrase that Paul says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. He says the same thing about prophecy. I would that you would all prophesy. And so we believe that Paul is saying I, uh, that, that, that it is available to anybody who wants to operate in it, and many of you want to. And so let's just, let's just um, close our eyes, because what I'm trying to do is not have you focus on me right now. 
And I know some of you really are hungry. I mean, hungry to, to move in this. And there's no argument in your spirit. You're just going, hit me, Lord. <laughs> and I want to pray for you. Okay, once again, raise your hand. You have not spoken tongues. I just want to get a feel. I wanted you guys to be the ministry team, man. <laughs> you guys are all, all asking. So let's just, let's just sit before the Lord. I want to encourage your faith. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord lives in you right now. He's more than here. He's in you. Okay, remove every doubt. Just, just let it lie. Your arguments, just, just let it lie. Pick your argument up when you leave. Just let it lie for two minutes. I want to say this before I pray. If it doesn't happen, you know what? That's okay. It's totally okay. It's not about being condemned because you haven't. It's not about trying hard. It's not forcing your mind. Let's just have freedom here. Holy Spirit, you're listening. And here you are. You're listening to our hearts. You've listened to my words. I pray that I've honored you well. Fill in the gaps where I haven't. Lord, I ask you now for the experience of your presence. Lord, we know that you have fell on many believers, especially when we read Acts. And they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. You see all the hands that were raised here, Lord. They've raised their hands many times before, too. I'm sure of it. Lord, I ask you to come. Holy Spirit, just come in this room right now. I ask is what you did in the renewals in the years ago, break in this room right now, Lord. We don't have to work a thing up. We ask you simply come. Holy Spirit, we ask you to release the gift of tongues even now, Lord. I ask you, even if it's one person, God, release it in this room in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Rest on them. Give them permission in their heart. Give them inner promptings in their heart, even now. I want to encourage you. Some of you may be getting some syllables in your mind. It literally happens like this. You may have some little funny little syllables or some little strange little things, one or two of them in your mind. I encourage you to speak it out softly to the Lord if that's you. I guarantee you that is the Holy Spirit in you wanting to come out in this gift of tongues. I guarantee you. And if you want to reach out into it, just release it. Nobody will condemn you here. I ask you for more, Holy Spirit. This is a safe environment. You're not going to be foolish here. For those of you that are fearing taking a step of faith, I just encourage you. Take a little step of faith. But that's between you and the Lord. But here you are. You want to speak in tongues. Holy Spirit, help. Release the gift even more. I ask you to release it, God, that someone even sing in tongues even now. I ask that someone feel your presence, Holy Spirit, come. Let them feel you. In the name of Jesus, release it, Lord. Loose their lips, Lord. Loose their lips, Lord. Loose their lips, Lord. See, she's having a real experience where it's really overcoming her. That's, some feel that. That's not you. It's totally okay. 
Trust the Lord's leadership. Raise your hand if you feel the Lord on you. You sense something resting on you. See, some of you are feeling something resting on you. Lord, I ask to increase your presence. Increase your presence. Lord, help them release that gift to speak in tongues for the very first time, Lord. I want to encourage you, if you do speak in tongues, just gently lift your voice to the Lord right now. Gently speak that mystery to God right now. Many of you, your mind is going to fight this. Like mine did. Lord, I ask you to remove the argument. I ask you to help many enter in, Lord. Let's just wait a little bit more. I believe some of you, are, there's going to be more release on some of you. I ask for more, Holy Spirit, more of a manifestation of your presence. We're asking you, Lord. We can't do nothing if you don't do it. Come, increase your presence on these. Any syllables in your mind, any little ideas in your mind, just speak it forth. It literally happens like that. Lord, bless them. Bless them. I ask for more, Holy Spirit. I ask for more, a, 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 a manifestation of your presence. Let them feel you. If you spoke in tongues for the first time, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to see if anybody. See, there's a few of you. Look at that. That's beautiful. That's okay. Good. Wonderful. Many of you haven't. That's okay, too. It's all part of our journey in the Lord. Lord, I ask you for more. I ask you for more. I thank you for those for their very first time that they have spoken in tongues. Lord, give them faith. Lord, for those that haven't, I ask for more right now. Bring more into this. I ask you, God, everyone that has raised their hands, every single one, Lord, not one would be left out, God. Even if it's next week, even if it's later, Lord, bring them into this edifying experience for themselves with no condemnation whatsoever. If you're speaking in it for your first time, just keep speaking it. That same little phrase over and over. I tell you, he will give you more. Your language will increase over time. It forms little by little. It may be one word. It may be two words. It really can be that simple. Many of you, I bet you it's in your mind and your mind is blocking it. We're going to stay another minute or two. If you have to leave, you have permission to leave at this door behind me. Lord, we ask for those that are hungering to speak again. I ask you in prayer. I ask you for more, Holy Spirit. 